Hey, uh, it's a busy time of year. The fall starts up, all these activities and all these things that we are pursuing. Um, We're beginning to prioritize things. And uh, how we prioritize all our activities, the things that compete for our time and our energy and our uh, allegiance, how we prioritize them will make an incredible difference as to how we live the way God wants us to live and experience what he wants us to experience. He wants us to experience uh, a peace and a joy and a purpose, and he certainly doesn't want us to worry. Well, this is what Jesus addresses in Matthew chapter 6, and starting in verse 23 or 22, we see that uh, Jesus gives us some instruction as to how we can live a worry-free life in a sense. Well, uh, the first thing he would say, starting in verse 22, if you have your Bibles, Matthew 6, um, very, very famous passage that ends in, you know, seek first kingdom of God, right? But look at verse 22 here. It says, the eye is the lamp of the body. It starts there, right? We have to make an assessment, first and foremost, of what our priority. We have to be honest about our priorities. Take an inner look and make an honest assessment. Before we do that, we're, we're bound to go off track a little bit and, and, and not prioritize things the way that we're intended to. So make an honest assessment of our priorities. Back when I was in New York State, occasionally I would go to New York City, which was like eight hours away, uh, going to the east. So I didn't make, their, make it there often. But when I did, they talked different there. You know, they say things like, uh, you talking to me? You talking to me? You know, they have an attitude like that. Or uh, another thing they would, they would say is, uh, what you looking at? Or they say, forget about it, forget about it. And then they say, what you looking at? You know, if you look at them weird, nothing, I'm just from Western New York, sorry. What you looking at? Well, this is the idea. What are, you, what are we looking at? What are we looking at? What we look at, or more specifically, what we see will determine our priorities. It will reveal our priorities as Henry David Thoreau said, it's not what you look at that matters, it's what you see. And the word see here means what we give our focused attention to, really the things we pursue. And again, in Matthew 6, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? What are we looking at? What are our eyes focused on? What are we pursuing? What are our priorities? What do we see? And what we see indicates the most important priority in our life. Take a young child and you take, take this child to Dylan's and you'll determine quite quickly what they see and what they prioritize, what they pursue. You know, you take them by the candy aisle or the checkout aisle, and you'll all of a sudden start hearing your kid's voice or your grandkids' voice, right? Or you take them by toys in the, in the grocery store and, ah, Mommy, can I, Daddy, can I do that? Or if, if you're an adult and you drive down a Las Vegas strip like I did one time when I was in a singing group in a 15-passenger van with a trailer, we were passing through uh, Nevada, so we decided to uh, stay, spend the night in Vegas, what did we see as we drove down that strip that night? You know, first time in Vegas, all the lights. Did we see the adult-only clubs? Did, did we see oh, opportunities to gamble our life away that night? 
No, what we saw, cheap food in Vegas. And we saw Circus Circus, like an indoor amusement park. So we decided to stay there for the night. And we lost a lot of money. That, no, we didn't, we didn't lose a lot of money. We didn't even, uh, but we, we, we lost a lot of money because we spent a lot of money on the roller coasters and, you know, things like that inside Circus Circus. The other thing that uh, we can focus on would be finances. Well, one, one of the main things we focus on and see is finances. We pursue finances. And we need to, to make a living, right? But to what extent? You know, you turn on Shark Tank. I love watching Shark Tank to see what, what new inventions are coming out and such. But there's Mr. Wonderful. He sits right there smack dab in the middle, you know. Mr. Wonderful, he talks about money all the time. That's not good. I, I won't make money on this deal. I'm not... I'm out, or I'm in, or whatever. And so if you, if, you, if you watch that, they're focused on money. And Jesus said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Skipping down to 24, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. A lot of people pursue money. That's on the top of their triangle, their priority. June 2009 in Israel, this woman lost faith in the banks in Israel, and so she took all her money out and she hid it in her mattress. Somehow, she stuffed it in her mattress. And uh, she had over $1 million stuffed in her mattress. In Amer- if it were American dollars, it would be worth over a $1 million. And her mattress was quite lumpy, but she was secure because her life savings were literally inches right below her, and it made her feel secure. And one day, though, her daughter came over, and uh, without knowing it, she, she sat on the bed, and she determined that this bed is really lumpy. So when mom went out shopping one day for the day, the daughter said, I'm going to surprise mom. I'm going to get her a brand new mattress. So she called the store, had it delivered, had them take away the old mattress, take it to the dump, you know, the re- recycle place or whatever, and, um, a landfill, really. It was a landfill. And, uh, and she said, Mom, guess what? I got you a new mattress. The mom was delighted at first. She didn't put two and two together. In fact, she slept well that first night until that is the morning when she shot up straight in bed. She thought, ah, and she screamed, and she said, my life savings. And so the news report, Tel Aviv news station, had this right here. I looked it up. True story. There she is on the left, hoping and praying and looking for her old mattress, and, and they couldn't find it, but... There's probably one happy homeless guy sleeping on a lumpy bed somewhere in Tel Aviv. I don't know. Finances. Money makes a lot of promises that will not deliver. It says, I will take care of you. I'll make you happy. I'll protect you from disappointment. I'll free you from worry. If you get just a little bit more, I promise, they'll never nag you again. Right. We just need a little bit more money. And then we'll be happy. Just a little bit more. It won't satisfy if it's your priority. Some people also pursue food as a priority. It's a necessity. We all need to eat, right? 
Uh, Therefore, verse 25, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink. You know, most of us Americans don't really worry about food too much um, because we have plenty here. But we do spend an enormous amount of time and energy on what meals we fix, what restaurant is opening in town. Did you hear that there's a, a new restaurant? Yeah, that's good. We invest an incredible amount of time and energy in planning our vacation around where we can eat and what food we ate. We take pictures of food. We post it. We spend an enormous amount of time and energy on food. Some people pursue fitness, fashion, body image as a priority. Verse 25, do not worry about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? We are so preoccupied with how we look. You know, you turn on any Hollywood awards show, like Emmys or Academy Awards or, or whatever, and, um, and they always ask, what are you wearing? Who are, who are you wearing? Not what are you wearing? Who are you wearing? Well, I'm wearing Armani, or I'm wearing Ralph Lauren, or I'm wearing... Um, W. Elmart, or I'm wearing Jacques Panay, I'm wearing Wrangler, you know, whatever. You know, people are just on, the, on TV saying, what are we wearing? We spend hours at the gym perfecting our bodies. We want to extend our life, and it's good to live a long life if we can. It's great to be in shape. Um, but here's this cartoon that says, uh, this guy on the right here, can you see him? An old guy uh, with his shirt off in the doctor's office. Doctor says, remember the 20 extra years you added to your life through your clean and healthy living? Well, these are them. What are we really pursuing? So we have that extra 20 years on, li- on this earth to, woo There's nothing wrong with being in shape. There's nothing wrong with dressing nice. But if it's our primary goal in life, it is, if it's our pursuit in life, if that's what we see, then we'll fall Um, it will all fall short of God's intentions for us and we'll be lacking in peace. It'll be replaced with worry because we'll want more. You know, we all know hundreds, we we, we all know Hollywood celebrities who spend hundreds of thousands of dollars um, getting facelifts and adjustments or or they buy clothing to look in style and whatnot, but we know that their inner lives are falling apart and they're, they're doing everything they can to hide and suppress their broken and dysfunctional inner selves because we know that these things don't bring satisfaction, but we pursue them nonetheless. Some people pursue future security as a priority. In verse 34, therefore, Jesus said, do not worry about tomorrow, your future, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. In other words, if you spend your time worrying about tomorrow, you, you can't ever enjoy the present. You'll be miserable in the present, just worrying about tomorrow. Will we make the team? Or will my kid make the team? And I'll do anything to have my kid make the starting lineup. Or will, we, will I make the musical? Or, or will, will I be invited into the club? Or will I be invited to the party? Will I find a boyfriend or a girlfriend? Will my son ever leave the basement? You know, whatever. And so we just worry about the future. Um, things like, man, I, I can't go on a mission trip. I'll freak out on a, in another country. Like, no way. Or in my case, I worried so much about hopping on a bus for three days to go on this Sankofa trip, you know, to explore the Deep South and the Civil Rights Movement. And I didn't want to live on a bus for three days. I couldn't do that, you know, at my age. And I, I spent months worrying about it. And when I did it, it was like, what was I so worried about? Will I catch the virus? 
we can become so paralyzed with worry over the uncertainties of future, we call it the paralysis of analysis, that we fail to experience purpose and joy in the present. So how can we overcome worries? And when I talk about worries this morning, by the way, I'm not talking about those who are dealing with anxiety disorders or those who have clinical depression or obsessive compulsive things like this, whatever. Um, You know, those things are very real and and they need medical intervention and, and professional intervention. I'm talking about the worries that we all deal with every day. They can lead to those things if left unchecked. If our priorities are misaligned, in many cases, they will lead to that. So how can we eliminate those? How can we suppress those worries? The first point we looked at was we have to take an honest assessment of our priorities. We have to be really honest with ourselves. What are our priorities? You have to look at your calendar. You have to look at your bank account. And you have to determine what are my real priorities. Until we do that, we'll, we'll fall succumb to the, um, the lies. Second, though, we need to remember who we are in Christ. The first question that we asked was, what you looking at? The second question we need to ask is, who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? You know how they say, who's your daddy? Uh, Verse 26. Jesus said, look at the birds in the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And see how the flowers in the field grow? They They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, in all of his splendor, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass in the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? How many here own a pet? Yeah? How many here take an incredible amount of time caring for your pet? Because they're like little kids, right? And they're spoiled. And, they, what, and we do that because we love our pets. You know, Lynn and I watch our grand dog. I will enunciate, enunciate grand dog <laughs> occasionally. And man, I love spending time with my grand dog, but I love sending him home. I'm, I'm getting, getting used to the grandparent thing sometime in the future. Um, but if we own a pet... Um, we, we do take care of this pet. We feed him and take him to the vet and take him for walks and whatnot. And we do that because we love our pets. What happens, though, if you have a kid or grandkid who observes you, watches you, sees you taking care of the dog, but wonders, I wonder if mom and dad will feed me today. Man, I'm worrying. I don't know if they're going to feed me and take care of me. I don't know if they're going to take me where I need to go. And they constantly worry, oh, well, mom and dad or grandma and grandpa, will they do this? You know, we'd think, what are you worrying about? Yes, we love our pet, but we love you so much more. How much more will we love you than we do Sparky, you know? The late Tim Keller shared a story about a billionaire who took a cab just like five blocks down the city street. I'm thinking like Miracle Mile in Chicago or something because a billionaire didn't want to walk in the inclement weather. So he hops in the cab, and the cab ride costs $8. The guy whips out his wallet. He has five or, or four or $5 bills in his wallet. Hands a cabbie 10 bucks, says keep the change, $8 fare, $2 tip, fair enough. Gets out, walks into the department store. 
And as he's in the department store a little later, he whips out his wallet again and looks in, and he's only got one $5 bill in there. Where did the other one go? What does this billionaire do? Does he find the manager of the store, get on the PA system and make an announcement? Has anyone found a $5 bill? Does he contact the police, call 911, put out a report? Does he walk back the five blocks and scour the sidewalk? What does this billionaire do? He does nothing because he's a billionaire. It'd be like you and me going and playing catch or frisbee in, in Lakeside Park and a penny drops out of our pocket and we spend like the next two hours scouring the grass. I lost a penny. We wouldn't do that. You know what? Our God, our Daddy, our Heavenly Father, He owns the universe. And what he has access to, he's made available to us. He says, I'll take care of you. I'm your heavenly daddy. And yet we worry. He, we are spiritual billionaires. We are co-heirs with Christ. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. We are overcome with worry and say, man, sometimes when, when someone says a hurtful remark to us, we get all offended and, oh, man, we can't sleep. No, oh, just think about, oh, they offended me and, and whatnot. Our daddy is our heavenly father. He'll take care of you. You're living for him. Or, or if you have a financial setback, oh, no, no, we have a financial. Your daddy owns the universe. We are spiritual billionaires. We are heirs with Christ. We need to remember who our daddy is. So Jesus said, do not worry about even the most basic things like what you eat, what you drink, and what you wear. And then he says, you of little faith. We have little faith because it means our perception of God is way too small. We become so engrossed in thought with things that are nothing for God. And yet we have such little faith because we don't trust in God. God is not capable of handling my big problems. You don't know how big my problems are. You haven't walked in my shoes. You tell me not to worry. Or we have the, the opposite attitude. God wouldn't be concerned about my little problems. He's got much bigger things to think about. No, God cares for the flowers. He cares deeply for the grass and the birds. How much more will he care about you and me? Because he is our daddy. And he's promised that he would. We need to make an honest assessment of our priorities. We need to remember who we are and who our daddy is. We are spiritual billionaires. And then finally, if we're going to stop out worry, we need to make God's kingdom our top priority. Trivia question. Where did this phrase come from? Live the high life. You remember any one of you? It was Miller Beer in the day. Miller Beer. That's not what I'm talking about this morning. <laughs> I'm talking about a different high life. My friend Steve Hickey uh, told about a time of the, he read about the flying uh, airplanes, the early airplanes that would ascend, you know. And, and one, one time this early pilot was ascending out of the runway and he was enjoying the friendly skies and he noticed a rat crawling between his feet there to the back of the plane. 
And he got, he was, oh no, he was freaking out now on this plane because he knew what rats were capable of doing. They could gnaw through the cable, which would, which would disable the plane, send it crashing or disable the direction in the plane or whatnot. And so he thought, I got to do something about this rat. So he's so filled with anxiety until he realized that rats can't breathe at 20,000 feet or above. And so he continued to ascend. Once he got to 20,000 feet, then he relaxed and enjoyed the rest of the flight until he descended, landed on the runway, stopped, went to the back of the plane, and there he found a dead rat. Worry is like a rat on board that gnaws away at our spiritual artery of peace. We need to ascend to the high life. We need to live the high life. And the high life is when we choose to pursue God's kingdom priorities. There we'll discover that worry will be suffocated. Uh, the low life, the lower life, is when we pursue earthly temporary things for purpose and for security, like our finances and food and fitness and fashion. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 31, Do not worry, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. In other words, live the high life of the kingdom of God mindset. Let, let God be your king. R.T. France put it this way, make it your priority to find God's kingship and righteousness. Do whatever it takes to find the rule of God for your lives. Or the message puts it this way. Eugene Peterson in the message says, Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, and God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. Then you'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Jesus said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. How can we tell if we're living the high life versus the low life? By discerning if we're seeking God's kingdom is our priority. And how can we discern that? Well, how many eat leftovers? Open the fridge. We had leftovers yesterday. Leftovers are great. We don't get very excited about leftovers. They fill the belly, but no one gets too excited about leftovers. But unfortunately, we offer God our leftovers all the time. Numbers 18 um, Moses said, you must pr present as the Lord's portion the best and holiest part of everything given to you. The best and most and holiest part. Are we doing that? A farmer had two prized calves. He said, honey, um, I'm going to show God my appreciation by offering God half of what we have here. I'm going to give him one calf and we'll keep the other calf for ourselves. And so his wife said, hey, that, that's great, dear, that's great. Well, a couple weeks later, uh, the man came in off the farm, really dejected, and his wife asked, what's going on? What's wrong? Well, the Lord's calf just died, honey. The Lord's calf just died. Malachi addressing the people wondering why things were not going so well, which led into 400 years of silence before the Gospels, when Jesus came. Malachi, the last prophet, said this in chapter 1, when you bring blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice crippled or diseased animals, is that not wrong? 
Try offering them to your governor. God says, I'm not very interested in your leftovers, but I desire the best and the holiest part of everything that I've given to you. Are we giving God our best, the, the first fruits of our wealth? Um, or are we, you know, if, if we have money left over at the end of the month, then we'll give to him the spare change. Are we offering God the best of our gifts and talents? Or do we reserve those for other activities? Are we giving God the first part of our time? Or, again, do we give him our leftovers? And people say, I don't have enough time. Man, I just don't, I don't have enough time to serve God. I don't really, or I don't, for, for his church or to go to church, and I just don't have enough time. H. Jackson Brown says, don't say you don't have enough time. We have exactly the same number of hours per day that were given to Helen Keller, Michelangelo, Mother Teresa, Leonardo da Vinci, Thomas Jefferson, and Albert Einstein. And by the way, when we offer God our first of our time, that would be Resurrection Day. That'd be Sunday. That's the first day of the week, according to the Bible. It's not the last day of the week. It's the first day. Monday is not the first day. Sunday is. Seek first the kingdom of God. And then all these things will be given to you as well. Let God rule as your king. But don't we need to invest in our jobs? Don't we need to invest in our future and our retirement? Don't, don't we need to invest in our health? Well, of course we do. But only as it fits underneath Christ and his kingdom. God and Christ are to be our top priority. And then everything else will fall into place. Do not worry about your career, Mother Teresa says. Concern yourself with your vocation. That is to be lovers of Jesus. That's our job description. That's our vocation. Our occupation is what we do for money. Our vocation is what we do for eternity. Vocation comes from the word voice in the Greek. Um, God's call on our life. It's our vocation. Colossians 3.17, Paul puts it this way. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father. Whatever you do, whatever you do, whatever you do. When I was in high school, I, my identity was that I was an athlete. You know, I was in different sports, and my, my best sport was diving, as you know. And, and so I took a, lot of, a great deal of pride in being a diver and being known as a diver, and I did so through college, but in high school, I was a diver who happened to be a Christian. I was a good guy. But then when I met the Lord in a very profound way, and he called me uh, to lordship and kingship in my life, it just changed everything about my outlook inside out. And, that, and so my identity no longer was an athlete who happened to be a Christian. It was a Christ follower who happened to be an athlete. So when I dove through college, I was looking for every opportunity I could to use diving as a platform to share my faith with my competitors, oftentimes from secular universities. And God gave me many opportunities. And his favor was on me in this, in this sport. He gave me many opportunities. So nothing changed. I was still a diver. I still did my best, except my motives. It was for the Lord's glory. I wish I could say that about my entire life about that, my first love, you know, when I first came to Christ in that sense. Man, I, I was on fire. I wish I could say that still. But that's what God calls us each to be. So it doesn't matter if you're a factory worker 
um, or not, or teach or whatever. Um, we're to give our best to the Lord. And so a factory worker who happens to be a Christian, or am I a faithful disciple who happens to work in a factory? Am I a teacher who happens to go to church somewhere, or are, am I a Christ follower who happens to teach? Everything we do is for God's glory. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, and how we prioritize our pursuits is of critical importance. If we get things out of order, then we will lack the peace and the purpose and the joy that God has for us and, and the fruitfulness. We will lack all of these things. and We'll just kind of trudge through life doing the best that we can. But if we put Christ as a top priority in everything that we do, then guess what? Every day, God will give you God appointments. Every day, he'll open doors for you. Every day, you'll have opportunities to talk and share your faith and your word and your deed and your, by your example. Every day. Every day. I, I know that. But we need to put him first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these other things that we so desperately think we need and want, they will be given to us too because he is our daddy and he'll take care of us. How do we overcome worry? We overcome worry by assessing our priorities. What are you looking at? What do you see in life? What are you pursuing? Be honest. Secondly, we need to remember who we are in Christ. Who is our daddy? He'll take care of us. And then thirdly, we need to make the kingdom of God our top priority. We need to live the high life and suffocate worry. Let's pray. So thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are a faithful God and that you are here today. You're speaking to each one of us in a way that only your spirit can. Um, I pray, God, that you do, do your work in us right now, whatever that looks like, whatever it means for each one of us, Lord, as we come to the communion table. I pray, Lord, that you continue to uh, do your spiritual surgery, surgery on us, Lord, as we offer ourselves to you again. In Christ's name, amen.